Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. A manufactured controversy of nonsense. And the beautiful part about it is it was a stunning duet last night. And if you got a fast car, you know how quickly the left can try to make controversy over nothing. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. It is our fourth and final hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on a Monday evening. And uh, don't forget, Wednesday night, our big night, big event with Terry Hayes. We're excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Terry Hayes, his new book, The Year of the Locust. Uh, Phenomenal read. Phenomenal. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Highly recommend it to you. So check it out. I think you're going to enjoy it very, very much. We'll have a great time. He'll sign the book for you. And uh, we'll have some good conversation together. You know, we'll talk about all kinds of different things. He's got a lot of insight into the CIA, Iran, all these very, very dangerous places around the world. So... I'm excited uh, to have the conversation coming up on Wednesday night. Just go to 1210WPHG.com and get your tickets today. So there was, a, there was a whole thing a while ago about the song Fast Car. And, you know, the, the thing about it is that, and this is the thing, years and years ago, Tracy Chapman's song Fast Car became a whole, it was a huge show. It was a huge hit. This, the song itself was a huge hit. And then it was, it was, they did a cover of it by a country singer by the name of Luke Combs. And when Luke Combs came out with it, there was all this stuff about how they wanted, essentially now Luke Combs to stop singing the song Fast Car. They wanted him to stop singing it. Like, enough. Like, like don't sing it. Like, stop. And it was the Washington Post that really came out with this. I mean, it was a, a, a writer by the name of Emily Yar. And this was, this was the article, all right? Tracy Chapman, Luke Combs, and the complicated response to Fast Car. Combs' remake of Chapman's 1988 hit dominates the country charts, renewing difficult conversations about diversity in Nashville. This is called a manufactured controversy. There's, there really was no controversy. And last night when the two of them got on the stage together at the Grammys and sang a duet, 
which is beautiful. I thought it was a great moment in time of just showing everybody like, you know, you can, you can start your day thinking, how can I, how can I be offended? What can I be offended by next? And just seek and you shall receive, just seek out controversy, seek out offense wherever you are. And then, yeah, you'll, you'll be good. You'll find it because you can find it anywhere. So this is what uh, this woman wrote in the Washington post, Tracy Chapman's fast car. It's one of those songs that you feel in your soul, the lyrics about the yearning to escape, the gentle guitar underlying a feeling of despair, but also the hope that something better is coming. (laughs) Excuse me, it can make you cry, but also inspire you to belt out the lyrics at the top of your lungs. Singers know that virtually any audience will hear the opening notes and go crazy, so it has become a go-to cover since its 1988 release on Chapman's self-titled debut folk album. But in the past few months, one particular cover has struck a chord that no one saw coming. In March, country music star Luke Combs released a new album, Gettin' Old, that included a fast car remake, and uh, he had covered that song during his live shows for years. But when the track hit streaming services, it took on a life of its own, racking up enormous numbers and going viral on TikTok. Country radio stations started playing it, and the song was suddenly outpacing Combs' actual single, Love You Anyway. Combs and his team were stunned by the response, and the label eventually started promoting Fast Car to country radio stations as well. Last week, and this is back in, uh, what was this now, March, uh, July, excuse me, July of last year, and then... Goes on to say that the numbers. Um, uh, excuse me, I've lost my I've lost my space here. Yes, so I reached number one on the Billboard Country Airplay chart. It was at number three on the All Genre Hot 100 chart after peaking at number two. To quite a few people, this is cause for yet another celebration in Combs' whirlwind journey as the genre's reigning megastar with 16 consecutive number one hits. But it has also prompted a wave of complicated feelings among some listeners and in the Nashville community. Although many are thrilled to see Fast Car back in the spotlight and a new generation discovering Chapman's work, it's clouded by the fact that as a black queer woman, Chapman, not Luke Combs. I mean, he may be a black queer woman. I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I think he is. I don't think he is, but I don't want to assume anything. Uh, Tracy Chapman, a black queer woman would have almost zero chance of that achievement herself in country music. No, it's true, because women never make it in country music. They, n- they never make it. <laughs> what? The numbers are bleak. A recent study by data journalist John Deem and musicologist Jada Watson reported that fewer than 0.5% of songs played on country radio in 2022 were by women of color and LGBT plus artists. LGBTQ plus plus IA, everywhere of the alphabet artists. And they were largely excluded from radio playlists for most of the two decades earlier. Yeah, I'm sure there's a big, I'm sure lots of radio stations are trying very hard to not play uh, LGBTQ++ IA, every other of the alphabet artists in today's day and age. I'm sure it's exactly it. Maybe there's just not a lot of them. Maybe there's just not a lot that, that fit that diversity checkbox within that genre of music. On one hand... Luke Combs is an amazing artist, and it's great to see that someone in country music is influenced by a black queer woman. That's really exciting, said Holly G., founder of the Black Opry, an organization for black country music singers and fans. But at the same time, it's hard to really lean into that excitement, knowing that Tracy Chapman would not be celebrated in the industry without that kind of middleman being a white man. 
And by the way, I'm gonna, I'll let you know that Tracy Chapman has made buku bucks from Luke Combs' cover, uh, probably close to at this point a million bucks because she owns the rights to the song. She owns the rights to the song. She's the writer, and she got the producer credit too. So she's she's raking in, in bucks. You know what I mean? So I don't particularly think that Tracy Chapman minded very much when people were out there singing her song because when when Luke Combs sang it, it was the kind of thing where where people were paying, you know, streaming, and then everybody was very very happy with it. So this, this is this is this is this is again it's, it's it's one of those things. It's a it's a it's a phony fugazi, phony fugazi controversy. crowd loved it. Everybody loved it last night at the Grammys. Loved it. You got a fast car. It's fast enough so you can fly away. We gotta make a decision. Leave tonight or live and die this way. I mean, it's great. And then they cheered and everybody loved it. And he bowed, he bowed before her and kneeled and, you know, did the whole, like, I'm genuflecting to you and your greatness. Tracy Chapman wasn't offended by the fact that Luke Combs covered her song. She was psyched. She was happy about it. She was very happy. But this is what happens, though, right? I mean, this is what happens when woke does its ugly thing of trying to divide everybody. At the time that she was asked about it, Tracy Chapman was fine. She was cool with it. But but there are people within the corporate media who then have to search around and search around and say, oh, well, here's a country white dude doing this song. Therefore, somebody must be offended. Who was offended by it? Nobody. And clearly not Tracy Chapman since she was on the stage with him last night. And the checks were cashing. And, of course, what do they have to bring into this? George Floyd. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. No, it's true. Of course. Washington Post. Back to that piece. There have been there's been a concerted effort from some in Nashville to promote inclusivity, particularly since the industry wide reckoning after the killing of George Floyd in 2020. By the way, the killing of George Floyd by drugs in his system. But despite according to the quarters report, of course, but despite some individual success stories, the systemic lack of diversity has persisted. Now that Chapman's classic is on to pace is on pace to become one of the biggest songs of Combs career. There are uneasy and complex emotional responses And it's still the same woman who started the Black Opry who says, I've talked to a lot of black artists about it. We don't know how to feel. It did make things a bit easier when Chapman, who hasn't given an interview in years, sent a brief statement to Billboard last week saying the following, quote, I never expected to find myself on the country charts, but I'm honored to be there. I'm happy for Luke and his success and grateful that new fans have found and embraced Fast Car. 
<laughs> but, but so even though Tracy Chapman was fine with it and actually honored that that wasn't enough for the woke uh, black Opry woman, because then she came back and said, we can continue to celebrate it, but it doesn't mean we should be having we shouldn't be having these conversations. And this white writer for The Washington Post, of course, you know, just stirring the pot here. These mixed feelings were echoed on social media last month when Combs Fast Car made headlines after it jumped to number four on the all-genre Billboard Hot 100, surpassing Chapman's own peak of number six in August of 1988. (gasps) Even taking into account the difference in chart metrics over the time... Some people have a typical visceral reaction that occurs when anyone covers an iconic song. It will never be as great as the original. But whether they like the cover or not, others hope this situation would lead to more awareness about the larger issues in country music and black art in general. Jake Blount, an Afrofuturist folk artist. Is that a, is that a college major? Do you, do you, can, you, can you major in Afrofuturism? Is that like time travel for? I, I, I again, I don't, I don't know what, the, what, 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 what that. I should anyway. Who has devoted his career to studying music history and reinterpreting older songs? Tweeted about the concern of Chapman's legacy being overwritten in real time. He thought about how Big Mama Thornton's Hound Dog was consumed by Elvis Presley, or how Memphis Minnie and Kansas Joe McCoy's When the Levee Breaks was overshadowed by Led Zeppelin, along with endless other examples by the white male genius archetype that often receives credit for songs by black artists. Oh my God, because that's because we live in that exact same time period. We live in that exact same time period. No, no, no doubt about it. When I wrote those tweets, people replied to me and said, oh, there's no way anybody's going to forget Tracy Chapman. She's too big already. And I hope that's true. But I know how it's played out before. We know black visionaries who have created incredible, powerful, influential works that have been forgotten and erased. It's not malice from the white artists making derivative music based on theirs, but it's how society works. And then, of course, they have to get into all of the other things that, you know, they have to find more over the decades and they have to find other things and... The immediate success of Combs' fast car kind of just proves that when you put a white face on black art, it seems to be consumed a lot easier. What are you talking about? That song was a massive hit when it came out. Everybody loved that song by Tracy Chapman when it came out. That's why it's been covered a bajillion times by both white and black people and other colors along the spectrum, too. That's why some goals of the Black Opry are to make sure artists of color can have equal opportunities and get the same amount of attention and to push for change among gatekeepers in Nashville. This genre needs to expand their boardrooms and let marginalized people in these rooms and make a bigger bet on these artists. It makes your head hurt, doesn't it? In interviews, Combs has talked about how it was one of the first songs he learned to play on guitar. How it reminds him of spending time with his dad when he was young. But the song has always had a particular significance in the black and LGTBQ++ IA every letter of the alphabet communities. So the song is is reserved for them, and nobody else should sing it. How annoyed were these people last night when Tracy Chapman came out and sang the song with Luke Holmes? How, how, How annoyed was Woke last night? That might be one reason the song hits with country audiences.
Though as someone who lived in Oakland, California, when Fast Car came out and saw how it connected to the queer community, it's difficult to see the, the success of Combs' cover knowing that country music, with its historic emphasis on tradition, has generally shied away from highlighting LGBTQ plus artists and their stories, which is all part of the complexity of the current... What are you talking about? He did a song that was written by a black lesbian. And it became a huge hit within the country audience. It wasn't like country music star audience members came out and said, we're canceling you, bro. How dare you cover that song by Tracy Chapman? She's a, she's a queer black woman. Now we're canceling you, Luke Combs. It wasn't like they didn't know whose song it was. And this is, this is what we see that is often is the manufactured controversy. And I'll tell you, she's made about... I mean, a sizable portion of the Combs approximately $500,000 in earnings so far. And it's going to make even more now. I mean, it's going to blow up. I think the big lesson here is black women belonged in country music all along. If that song can chart number one today in country, it should have charted it in 1988. It wasn't a country song in 1988. That's the difference. Nobody thought of it as a country song. I think country music has evolved since 1988. A lot of people, a lot of a lot of country stations play music that in 1988 they probably never would have played. Country music has evolved. I love country music, and it's evolved into a lot of different genres. I mean, you could be listening to a country music channel, and you could hear Jimmy Buffett on there. Is Jimmy Buffett country? I don't know. I mean, I guess it really depends. But the one thing I do know, though, is that just leave it to woke to make a controversy out of nothing. And then the New York Times today. Tracy Chapman reclaims her fast car. Reclaims it. What do you mean she reclaimed it? So that means if anybody does a cover of a song and that song is successful, then the artist who originally did it, that artist then has lost it. And, of course, this writer who writes this whole thing goes on to say that, you know, this 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 whole issue, this whole issue is because white people don't like black women singers. That's so ridiculous. And I'll tell you, it's kind of ironic because I think to myself as I think about Mickey Gutton, Kane Brown, Jimmy Allen, Brittany Spencer, Willie Jones. You, re- you just Google that and you go, are there any black country music artists? Charlie Pride, Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker has had at least eight number one hits on the country charts from his three albums he's released so far. He's doing better than when he was with Hootie, if you ask me. He's been, he's been, he's doing better than when, when he was with Hootie and the Blowfish, in my opinion. Manufactured controversy. Another manufactured controversy, of course, was the canceling of Shane Gillis, which we talked about earlier, when Saturday Night Live canceled him. But it goes a long way to telling you, Tracy Chapman, this getting on stage last night. Tracy Chapman getting on stage last night with Luke Combs annoyed the left. You know and I know it annoyed them so much because they wanted her to reject it. They wanted her to come out and say this is not cool. They wanted her to come out and say no way. Absolutely not. Don't you dare. Don't you dare come out and play this song. Don't you dare embrace the white country man. And this is a this is a piece I read. Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs Grammy performance of fast car is a masterclass in emotional intelligence with a brilliant performance tracy chapman and luke combs teach a powerful lesson to artists and creators everywhere yeah you know why because it was good because it was great that's why 
It teaches artists and content creators a brilliant and counterintuitive lesson in how to create in a way that resonates with others. What lessons can we learn? How about this? People aren't racist. People aren't bigoted and homophobic either. They just like really good music. They just like good music. Imagine that. Not everything is seen through the eyes of politics and woke and cancel culture. Imagine. What a, what a, what a revelation. This is so good. I may listen to, I may just listen to this for the rest of the night. You got a fast Oh. I got a plan inside of here. Been working at the convenience store. Managed to save just a little bit of money. Wanted to drop the bar. Just across the border and into the city. And you and I can both just finally see what it means to be living. You know, the lesson here is that the controversies that you see are not real. And some, at some point, corporate America is going to learn this lesson. Really, you know what I mean? They're going to, they're going to learn this lesson at some point. Maybe they won't. Saturday Night Live canceled Shane Gillis, and now he's hosting the show. Why'd you cancel him in the first place? Why? Either you didn't need to. So good, right? All right, we got a lot to talk about today, but this is the top story of the day today brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria. He knows he's got a fast car. VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Dr. Mike Venaria. My buddy, my dentist, my friend. Here we go. Here's a little bit more for you. Here we go. Monday night, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. So that was my masterclass for you in manufactured controversy and woke nonsense. Uh, His Royal Highness. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. King Philip the Unaccountable has now determined that he wants kids 16 years old to vote in local elections. This is what the governor, his royal highness, announced in his state of the state address. Now, let me ask you a question, honestly, and you could, of course, tweet along with the show at Rich Zioli. Let me ask you a question. Should 16-year-old kids be allowed to smoke? Should they be allowed to drink? Should they be allowed to um, buy guns? Now, the, the answer to those questions is all over the place. But why is it they're allowed to vote then? If we, if, how come somebody's allowed to vote for somebody who's going to spend my money or in some, in some cases send people to war if their brains are not fully matured? If they cannot decide whether or not they should really get a smoke and a beer, why then can they decide on those things that affect my life? And the school board thing is particularly interesting. Because by lowering the voting age to 16 years old, what you're doing is you are getting people that have so-called skin in the game, except they don't have skin in the game because the reality of the situation is they're not paying taxes. So, yeah, when the when the when the school district comes out and says we need a brand new school, they're like, yeah, why not? Need a raise for teachers? Sure. Why not? And when they want to vote for school board members who want to just spend more money, they're like, yeah, uh, sure. Why not? Because they don't pay property taxes. They don't pay taxes. So they're going to vote on the school board officials who are then going to make those decisions. And that's the problem. And that's the problem that we all have. But um, I do have a little bit of his royal highness from his state of the state address. Here we go. Here we go. Peasants, gather around. His royal highness, King Philip the Unaccountable, thinks your children are morons. But he knows they'll vote for liberals who spend lots and lots of your money. I'm asking the legislature to send to my desk a voting rights bill that would allow 16 and 17 year olds to vote in local school board elections. This is a proposal inspired by two bright young leaders with us today, Anjali Krishnamurti and Yenjay Hu. Last week, we helped the city council pass an ordinance that would lower the voting age to 16 in school board elections. And outside of Newark, we're also looking to expand 16-year-old voting in school board elections across the entire state of New Jersey. Voting is a lifelong habit, and studies show that if a person votes in one election, they are far more likely to turn out in the next election. Why 16? Why not 15? Why not 14? Why not as soon as they come out of the womb if they survive it in New Jersey? Seriously, why? Why 16? This is, again, this is what I, this guy, this idiot wants to raise the age to buy a gun for kids to at least at least 21 minimum. This same royal highness, his royal rugness, wants to say you can't buy a gun to your 21 years old. Can't go shooting to your 21. And they raise the cigarette age to 21 from 18. Now they, they and they want to, they want to do the same thing with vaping nicotine pouches all over the place. But when it comes to voting, no, no, then the kids, those kids, oh, no, 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 their minds are completely and utterly, absolutely ready. Ready to make these lifelong decisions, peasants. Ready. Ahem. Mm-hmm. Peasants, 
gather round! His royal ruggedness, King Philip the Unaccountable, knows that your children can barely read and that you can barely afford to stay here. So let these idiot children vote. So encouraging our young neighbors to engage with democracy is really about encouraging them to become lifelong voters. So why start why 16? for legislation why? that would lower the voting age statewide in school board elections. We were absolutely ecstatic. This is something that we've been working on for years, and at times it felt Why just school board elections, though? I mean, the, listen, if the argument is because they're in school, but you're also, you live in a town, so why can't you vote for your mayor and council people? You live in a country, why can't you vote for president? Why can't you vote for your members of Congress? I mean, the argument that they have skin in the game because they go to school, but you, they also live... They also live every day in this in this in the United States of America. So why why are we just lowering the voting age to 16 for school board elections? And you know that you know exactly why you know the answer. It's not popular. This is a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea because these are not they're not paying taxes. And what's going to happen is they're going to go with the school board members who are the ones who are going to want to spend the most money. And then your property taxes are only going to go up because I'll tell you, in most states, but particularly in New Jersey, with the structure of the school funding formula, it is the schools that are the primary driver of your property taxes. If you pay a lot of property taxes, which I'm sure you do, it is schools that are the reason why. They, they make up the bulk of your property tax bill. Look at it. It's usually not your municipal taxes. It's usually not the county taxes. It's the schools. And in fact, the, 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 the town and the counties, they're capped at, I think they can only raise property taxes by 2.5% or something like that, or, or they're spending by that much. There's a formula they use and everything. But, but the school boards... That's the bulk of it right there. That's the majority of where your money goes right there. I just, I don't understand, again, what the age of adulthood is. And I just wish somebody would tell me. Just tell me what it is. Do you remember, um, and I saw Dr. Our, our friend Dr. Wilford Riley posted this on Twitter. Michael Nutter addressed something about, about um, kids. Do you remember Michael Nutter? When you talk about race and violence, after mobs of blacks r- r- rampage through Philadelphia committing violence, as similar mobs have rampaged through Chicago, Denver, Milwaukee, and other places, Philadelphia's black mayor at the time, Michael Nutter, ordered a police crackdown and lashed out at the whole lifestyle of those who did such things. He said, if you walk into somebody's office with your hair uncombed and a pick in the back and your shoes untied and your pants half down, tattoos up and down your arms and your neck, and you wonder why somebody won't hire you, they don't hire you because you look like you're crazy. Well, this might seem as it is just plain common sense. What Mayor Nutter said undermines a whole vision of the world that has brought fame, fortune, and race hustlers into politics. Any racial disparities in hiring can only be due to racism and discrimination, according to the prevailing wisdom, which reaches from street corner demagogues to the August chambers of the Supreme Court of the United States. And I think that when Michael Nutter pointed this out in Philadelphia, it was great. It was great. And he retweeted this as a tweet by Thomas Sowell, the genius of, well, everything, really. So this is not something to ignore or excuse. It is something to be stopped. Mayor Michael Nutter of Philadelphia seems to be the first openly uh, black mayor to recognize this. This needs to be done for the sake of both blacks and white Americans, and even for the sake of the hoodlums. But I guess, I guess the point, though, would be we understand how a lot of kids are just not mature enough. So I'm constantly, constantly listening and hearing how children need to grow up 
and 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 need to be able to experience maturity before they can enjoy the the, the privileges of adulthood. Do you remember there was that one story? And there, there's that one bill in Pennsylvania. There's a one. There's a bill in Pennsylvania that would say until you're 25, they got to factor in your age, your mental acuity into sentencing you. They got to factor that in when sentencing you because the brain is not fully matured. You're not an adult till you're 25. Okay, you're not an adult till you're 25, but you're going to vote in school board elections when you're 16. It's the lunacy of the left that is the problem. And you, you, you. If you Google what time does adulthood begin, they say the brain keeps developing till they're 25. But the next thing you see, it'll begin with the school board elections, and then it'll go into the municipal elections, and then eventually it'll go into president. Because when 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 kids are younger and they don't have a stake in the game and they're not paying taxes, they are more likely to vote for whoever makes an emotional appeal to them, aka the left. The left loves making emotional appeals, not making appeals on logic and intellect. There's an old saying. It says, if you're not liberal by the time you're 25, you don't have a heart. If you're not conservative by the time you're 35, you don't have a brain. I mean, you could change the ages around, but you get the point of that. They say, I remember years ago, Evil Jared, who was the program director, said, people usually start discovering conservative talk radio when they're 35. I know that there are younger people in the Zioli army. I know that for a fact. But that's usually the age because people buy a house, they start paying taxes, they start realizing what all this is costing them, how little money they have in their paycheck, and they turn around and go, I need an answer to this. Somebody help me figure out the direction. They all, they all, pull, they all pull a, uh, a 50 cent. They all pull a 50 cent and say, maybe Trump's better. You know, they pull a Snoop Dogg and realize, hey, maybe Trump's better. They, they, they do a collective understanding of that. They pull a kill a mic and they understand all these things. And it's not that complicated to see that when you have to pay for things, it changes your outlook on things. It changes how you feel about things in a big, big way. A lot more to come, including what is going to happen in the South Carolina Republican primary, meaning how bad will Nikki Haley get slaughtered? Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. How does $6,000 a head sound to you, huh? Sounds like pretty good cash. That's right. Well, a New Jersey-based gang of migrants charging $6,000 a head to smuggle illegal immigrants into the U.S. from Canada. According to a report, welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. By the way, um, you know, thinking about all these people like Michael Rappaport and Snoop, 50 Cent, Killer Mike, who are now on Team Trump, you just got to think to yourselves, all right, uh, when MSNBC goes and sits at a barbershop and talks to black voters and they explain why they back Trump over Biden, you got to kind of understand exactly what the reason is. It's the economy and it's the border. It's the economy and the border. This did not go as planned. MSNBC at a black barbershop in South Carolina. Black voters in South Carolina. Not as planned. Not as planned by MSNBC. Take a listen. There are some people in your orbit who are either voting for Donald Trump. For sure. A lot of my friends are obviously my age, so we're a little younger. We've only voted once, you know, for actually for a president. And Trump is kind of all we know. And they're kind of Trump and Biden. They're like, well, we were broke with Biden. We weren't with Trump. And that's kind of the only thing that I'm hearing over and over again, over and over again, is that 
Under Trump, we had money. Well, okay. There you go. I mean, under Trump, we had money. I don't know what to tell you beyond that. I don't know what to tell you. And 50 Cent slamming the mayor's idea in New York City, a $53 million program to hand out prepaid credit cards to migrant families. And 50 Cent tweeted out the following or put out the following. He said, WTF, Mayor Adams, call my phone. I don't understand how this works. Somebody explain. Maybe Trump is the answer. It's a pilot program that Mayor Adams' administration will reportedly provide asylum seekers arriving at the Roosevelt Hotel with money for food and other necessities. The amount of money will be based on family size and potential income amounts for the details of the contract. One example provided by the New York Post says a family of four could be given nearly $100 a month or about $35 a day for food. Hmm, sounds pretty good. Would you understand why people want to come to this country? Because they know that if they get here, well, then they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do quite well. They're going to do very, very well. They're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. And this is an amazing story. A New Jersey-based migrant group is smuggling hordes of illegal immigrants into the U.S. across the Canadian border for a price of $6,000 a head. The human smuggling gang took root after its founders were briefly detained and cut loose by federal immigration authorities. Cut loose. Of course they were cut loose. Got to cut loose, foot loose. The ringleaders, migrants from Guatemala and Colombia, snuck across the Mexican border and set up shop in the Garden State, running the lucrative scheme while dodging the feds. While U.S. Border Patrol agents grapple with an overwhelming flow of asylum seekers from Mexico, the Jersey-based gang has helped spark an under-the-radar surge in crossings along the northern border. Quote from Philip Kazins, professor of immigration studies at the City College of New York Graduate Center. He said, with the huge asylum seeking concentrations and with all those people crossing the border and with the huge increase in the amount of enforcement that is going on in the southern border, it is probably, if you have an option, a lot easier to try to get in without inspection across the Canadian border. We got to send John Candy up there. Canadian bacon. The migrant smugglers are capitalizing on it, charging a hefty bounty to sneak immigrants from Quebec into Vermont, where, sec- where uh, scrutiny is much less intense. I mean, it's got to be a lot. E- it's got to be a lot easier to c- cross from Canada, but it's not like there's a ton of scrutiny at the southern border. Please, that's what we've been talking about throughout the entire day today. In June, Elmer Brand Galvez, allegedly a driver for the smuggling ring, was stopped by border agents in Franklin, Vermont, transporting four illegal immigrants telling authorities he was paid around $1,800 for each illicit passenger, but was not charged. He wasn't charged. You know, you, you see those, those illegal immigrants who were beating the crap out of those cops, and that's why that actor Michael Rappaport, who hated Trump's guts, is making it very, very clear that he's with Trump now because of this. But these guys weren't charged. Those guys walk free. These guys were smuggling people in, and they're not charged. Last year, more than 10,000 migrants were busted trying to get into the U.S. from Canada illegally, nearly five times the 2022 figure, an indication of the massive rush across the northern border. Two of the New Jersey gang ringleaders, Juan Rina Perez, 34, and Victor Lopez Padilla, 35, were finally arrested by federal authorities, but it hasn't stopped the flow of migrants. Reina Perez, a Colombian national, crossed the U.S. southern border in Texas in April 2022 and was released pending immigration proceedings, but failed to check in with authorities and was busted again in October of that year, only to be released again. Isn't that infuriating? What is the deterrent for people doing this and smuggling people and breaking the law if they get arrested and it's like, all right, well, don't do it again. And then you get arrested. Don't do it again. This time I mean it. Now you're on double secret probation. 
This is just a travesty. It's it, it's a travesty, and of course, the smuggling community, the human smuggling community, they talk to each other. They all know that they're not going to get in trouble. They know it's a joke. Lopez Padilla, who's from Guatemala, crossed into the U.S. and Arizona in June 2019 and was also released pending future proceedings, leaving him and his accomplices free to run the smuggling scam. According to the Daily Mail, Lopez Padilla may have ties to jailed narco-trafficker El Chapo, the alleged co-ringleader making several references to the drug kingpin on his Facebook account. Despite now finally being in custody, a third cohort identified as Guatemalan national Simon Jacinto Ramos remains on the loose and running the operation. Because Mexico is on Canada's list of visa-exempt countries, migrants can head there for an easier route into the U.S. if they can come up with the cash to pull it off. Presumably, some of them are entering legally on tourist visas, business visas, and any other kind of legal visa, and then illegally crossing into the United States. Nonetheless, the U.S. border with Mexico remains the most troubling center of the migrant crisis with more than 2 million crossings illegally last year. Well, of course, no question about it, but... At the same time, if you can get into Canada legally for really no reason, and then you could just get into the U.S. a whole lot easier, at least you don't have to worry about the trek, the dangerous trek coming in from Mexico. I don't think people are doing it because they're worried about getting caught because nobody gets nobody gets in trouble if you get caught. I think they're doing it because it's probably a lot easier and safer. That's why they're doing it. Because they don't have to go through the Rio Grande. They have to worry about razor wire. Ooh, that that pesky razor wire. They just go around it. Because what I always tell you, criminals are going to find a way. Criminals are going to cheat. Criminals who are are always going to do these things, no question about it. By the way, sad sad note to give you that retired NYPD uh, firefighter Bob Beckwith, who was pictured on the cover of Time magazine in 2001. He was a firefighter who stood next to President George W. Bush when George Bush had the bullhorn. Um, He died. Very, very sad. He was a, a true hero. Bob Beckwith, a retired firefighter who appeared in an iconic photo with President Bush, passed on Monday, and um, he was 91 years old. Uh, I was proud to call Bob my friend and extend my prayers and deepest sympathy to his wife, Barbara, and all his family members, said Peter King, Congressman Peter King, former Congressman Peter King on Facebook. Um, Yeah, that was an amazing moment. Remember when people said, I couldn't hear you, and... George Bush said, I hear you. And soon the people that knocked down these buildings, they're going to hear from all of us. We can't hear you, a person in the crowd shouted. That is when Beckwith said the president changed his speech on the fly, delivering an impassioned rallying cry that electrified his audience and the nation. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knocked down these buildings will hear, will hear, will hear all of us soon. He described the moment more than two decades later, remembered how the people at Ground Zero went berserk and broke out in chants of USA. And there I am standing there. I did look up to heaven and I did say, look at me, Ma. I'm with the president, he told the local NBC station. As he started to walk away, a Secret Service agent tapped him on the shoulder and handed him an American flag, saying that Bush wanted him to have it. The following year, Beckwith and his wife were invited to the White House where he gave Bush the famous bullhorn. The two men had forged a bond stemming from their chance encounter atop the crush fire truck. During Bush's two terms in office, Beckwith and his wife were invited to the White House Christmas party every single year. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, that's one of those things. I mean, that's one of those moments in American history that um, people will always think of. Uh, they, they, and that guy, to be there in that moment, for, for him to be there when the President of the United States, right after 9-11, I mean, right after that happened, 
It's just an amazing, amazing moment. You know, speaking of that, you know how people on the right are constantly called conspiracy kooks all the time? You have to deal with this constantly. Like, if you have any conversations about Taylor Swift and how the government's going to use Taylor Swift and other influential people to try to push their message out or get you to get people to vote Democrat, you're called a conspiracy nut. How come the same never applies to Democrats when they come up with conspiracy theories? Like Jamal Bowman, who pulled the fire alarm, Mr. Fire Alarm Puller. Remember him? The guy that pulled the fire alarm and then turned around and said, oh, no, I, was, I, I didn't mean it. And then ultimately pled guilty to a misdemeanor. Do you know, back in 2011, he wrote a 9-11 truther poem. Yes. Did you hear about this? No, because you only hear about the corporate media yelling about MAGA conspiracies, not people like this guy, not Democrat members of Congress. But this was the little poem he put out back then. Planes uses missiles target the Twin Towers. 30 minutes later, both buildings collapsed onto themselves. Later in the day, Building 7 also collapsed. Hmm. Multiple explosions heard before and during the collapse. Hmm. Allegedly, two other planes, the Pentagon, Pennsylvania, hijacked by terrorists. Minimal damage done. Minimal debris found. Hmm. The Post then suggests readers go watch a pair of conspiracy theory movies and share your thoughts. Of course, now Congressman Bowman regrets the work for which he's now most famous for, of course, pulling the fire alarm. But nevertheless, isn't it something? All the backlash from even conservatives to other conservatives discussing how the Democrats are going to try to capitalize on Taylor Swift's fame and fortune to influence people. They're called whack jobs and nuts. But Jamal Bowman, (laughs) please, please. Don't worry about it. Have a great rest of your night tonight. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. Don't forget, Wednesday night, Terry Hayes. Get your tickets today. Hey, keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you for listening to the show. See you tomorrow. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 